0: Christmas, we're going to do a, a series called From Stress to Rest. And so, any of you that are preparing for the holidays and uh, all the stress, yeah, and so some really good stuff. You know, the Shapocalypse is coming. I don't know if you're aware of that. You've heard of the Apocalypse? Well, we experience something every year in America here called the Shapocalypse. And so, you know, Black Friday, the malls, boom, crazy people killing each other for that last Barbie doll. Um, all that stuff. And then also we get a chance to meet some people at our, with our families, and that's always an interesting time. But So we're going to talk about moving from stress to rest and what that looks like and all that good stuff. But today we're doing power of words, and we're going talk about hearing the voice of God. Did you know you can hear the Lord? Anybody ever tell you that? You can hear the Lord. And so the Lord wants you to learn how to hear him. The Lord wants you to not only learn how to hear him, he wants you to learn to discern the voices from what is his voice and what is, his and what is not. And uh, I've not been in the Marines, but I'm told that one of the ways that they train the Marines is they drill them together in groups and each group is taught to listen only to that one drill instructor. So while they're drilling on the field, each drill instructor is commanding the groups to do different things. And what they train the Marine to do is to listen only to the voice of the one that's giving, that he's a part of. And then also they train them under fire with lots of noise and lots of distractions. And they teach them to, li- to listen in spite of the noise, in spite of the distractions and the bullets flying over your head and the bombs going off. They teach them to learn how to hear the voice of their instructor over the noise. And this is kind of the way the Lord wants us to learn. And we need to learn who, what's his voice, what's not. We need to be able to learn to listen to his voice over the noise. How many knows there's bullets that fly around in this life that are not necessarily physical? How many knows there's bombs that go off in this life that are not necessarily physical? You know, boom, bomb just went off. You're like, where'd that come from? I don't even know. You know, and so all that good stuff. And so the Lord wants us to learn to hear his voice so that we can have instruction in spite of the noise and we can learn to hear him in spite of the competing voices that go on in our culture. The first way you learn to hear the Lord is you have to believe that he's actually speaking. And a lot of times, particularly in cultural Christianity, we teach the believer that God wrote a book but he lost his voice. I mean, he wrote a book, but he didn't lose his voice. He's still speaking. Right? He is speaking. He is speaking corporately to his church, and he is speaking individually. If we'll listen, Proverbs 1 says, Wisdom shouts in the streets. And if you know anything about wisdom, God says, Wisdom has been with me since the foundation. Wisdom has been with me since the beginning. So the Lord and his wisdom are one. So the wisdom that comes from God, he, he, he likens it as a part of himself, and something that's with him. So he says, My wisdom is shouting in the streets. She raises her voice in the marketplace. It's interesting to note about Proverbs that I always love to point this out because I think it's really cool. And I think for women, it's important to understand your power. Because in the Proverbs, women is personified, oh, females are personified two ways. The woman is personified as the voice of wisdom, and she's also personified as the voice of the fool. So what does that tell you, ladies? It tells you you carry a lot more power than you believe. It tells you that you can be a voice of wisdom or you can be a voice of, of total foolishness. That's, it personifies that in, as the woman. And so wisdom is personified as a female. But foolishness also is. And so that's, that's a co- tremendous honor to the woman that God would personify her as wisdom. And so she calls out at the head of the streets where large crowds gather. And at the entrance, hold on, I just got to do this. I just got to do this, everybody. I really have to do this. Dave, I know I did it to you before, but I just got to do it to you again. Anybody see that University of Miami game last night? Yeah? Did you see that end play? Yeah? Didn't see it? Don't care about it? Dave was a, Dave was a tight end for University of Duke, so um, he's a massive Duke fan. I love you, Dave. I had a vision of me doing this to you, so I just have to fulfill the vision. So anyway, <laughs> we love David. We love Dave. So anyway, glad you're here. So how long were you naive ones? How long will you love being simple-minded? How long will you be undiscerning? So when we read this, what we understand here is that God doesn't want his people to be simple-minded. The second thing you see here is he doesn't want his people to be undiscerning. And he's speaking, and he's speaking to call us from our simple-mindedness, and he's speaking to call us from a place where we're not discerning. And he says, how long will you scoff? A lot of people scoff at the fact that somebody, that the Christian, can hear God. You ever been around that? What are you trying to say? You, God speaks to him? I'm like, yeah, God speaks to me. You hear from the Lord? Yeah, I hear from the Lord. People scoff. And God actually answers that. He said, How long will you scoff? He's speaking to even the scoffer. How long will you scoff at the fact that I'm willing to speak? How long will you fools obstinately mock truth and and hate knowledge? So the Lord calls people out. This is what the Lord does. This is the beauty of Jesus. You ready for Jesus? Jesus calls you out and then he calls you in. That's how he is. He calls you out. You're a sinner. Your lust, are helpless, you can't, save your, you can't save yourself. But if you'll confess me, I'll save you, I'll redeem you, I'll change you, I'll transform you. That's the beauty of the Lord. If he calls you out, he's calling you in. So when he calls you out of something, it's because he wants to call you back into something. And so here we see it calling out the scoffer, calling out the mocker, calling out the fool, and then saying, come back. So come out of that and come into this. It's one of the paths of the gospel. Come out and come in. Come out and come in. Come out from where you are. Come into where I want you to be. Come out from your own thinking. Come into my thinking. If you turn and you pay attention to my rebuke, if, behold. You know what I like about behold? Behold is like, check it out. Watch what I'm going to do. Right? If you'll do this, check it out because I'm going to do something really cool. So if you'll come out, I'm going to pour my spirit on you and I'm going to make my words known to you big reason why people don't operate in the spirit he shows us this is another indication is that we want to be naive we like simple mindedness we don't pay attention to when he's speaking or we let to scoff at the things of god or we want to mock of the things of god and so the lord does not give us the, if we do not have honor for what it is he's offering he doesn't give it to you he gives salvation to everyone but there's levels and layers there's destinies there's purposes there's power in this kingdom Although it's available to all, not all will access it, huh? And the reason that they can't access it is because the problem is on our side of the equation. So God's speaking. So why? What's the problem here? We're not what? Listening. We don't listen. Or we're not taking the time to listen, or we're not even believing that he's speaking. God has so much for you. The way you approach the Lord is open-minded, not simple-minded. Humble like a child and open minded. You come to the Lord with a sense of awe and wonder. Those are the people that benefit the greatest from what Jesus wants to do in your life. He not only wants to save you, He wants to transform you. He not only wants to save you, He wants to elevate you in every way. He wants to raise your life to a place that you never imagined it could go and do great and mighty things through you that you never imagined you would see. That's who He is. He's always for your good. And so here's John 10. He says, the sheep that are my own hear my voice. doesn't say they can hear my voice. He says they will. Every Christian has the ability to hear the voice of the Lord. And Jesus is saying clearly right here, he's still speaking. He has not come up with a voice. He doesn't have a case of laryngitis, right? He's not hiding in a mountain somewhere, you know, waiting for the kingdom to come. He's still active in the lives of his people, and he's still speaking. He said, they hear my voice. I know them. So here again, we see the key. Here's another key right here. How do we hear the voice of the Lord? He knows you. What does that indicate? Intimacy. Into me you see. That's what it is. Into him we see. Into me you see. He is intimate with you. He knows you. You hold nothing from him. You open it up, good, bad, and ugly, and go, here it is, Jesus. I hope you can take it. (laughs) And he says, I can handle it, and I can handle way more than that. There's nothing I can't handle. There's nothing that's too dark for me. There's nothing that's too far gone for me. There's nothing that's too broken for me. Just let me see it. Let me be intimate with you. Let me see it. And then I will show you me. So we hear his voice through intimacy. We know them and they follow him. So how do we hear the Lord? Number one, you got to be born again. This is an amazing concept, okay? That Jesus, the first thing that he does when you give your life to him is he restores to you your ability to hear. That's the first thing he does. He could have did anything else. What's the first thing he does? He, boom, born again in the spirit. Now you're in the spirit. Now his spirit bears witness with your spirit. You can now have communion, common union with him. You're in common union. He can now talk to you. He doesn't renew your mind. You know what I mean? He doesn't transform your body. All those are promises. He will transform your body. You're going to be brand new. You're going to live forever. You're going to be eternal. Aren't you glad? That's good news. Okay? I don't know if you looked in the mirror lately. It's good news. <laughs> you're not going to live. You're not going to be beautiful. You're going to grow. You're not going to be glorious. What's it look like? I don't know, but he said it's good, so it's got to be good. It's got to be. So what happens is that the Holy Spirit comes into you. This is the beginning point of learning to hear the voice of the Lord, is you've got to give your life to him. You've got to surrender your heart, not your mind, just your heart. His Spirit comes in, and so many of you don't know, but right here in this room right now, who's your favorite artist? Somebody throw me something out there. Don't be afraid. Who? You? Radio, music. Who's your favorite? CCR. CCR. All right, we got old school here. Who you got? Mark Anthony. Keeping the Latin alive, Mimi. Just keep it alive. All right, so whether you like country music, old rock, you know, modern, Bieber, whatever is going on, they're all in the room right now. They are in this room right now. Their music is here right now. All you got to do is go on your phone, go on the Internet, go on and tune into a radio station and you will get the frequency that's in this place right now. It's the same thing with hearing the Lord. Justin Bieber, you know, I don't know. What does that song say? I'm your boyfriend or something like that. Boyfriend. Help me out, girls, ladies. Nobody wants to admit it. Nobody wants to admit it. Come on. You were dancing in the room to that. Somebody was. Uh, I don't know if I was your boyfriend. There it is. You could go to there and we could we could tune that song in right here in this room right now. It's available. It's right here. Just like the Spirit of God, his voice is available. He's speaking in the concourses of the street. His voice is out. What we have to do is we have to learn how to tune in to his frequency. We have to learn how to position ourselves to hear what it is that he is saying. Wow, thank you, man. Yeah. Mark said, wow, that's a good thing. What, what? (laughs) My friend. He's my friend. I pay him. That's why. (laughs) When I cue you, Mark, you just go, wow, that's what you're All right, so why would he want to speak to us? This is the question. Why would he want to speak to us? People say, like, why would Jesus want to speak to me? Why would he even want to hear my prayers? Isn't he busy? Isn't he, like, running the universe and stuff? You know, why would he care about me? Because you are the object of his love, and you are the object of his affection. Next slide. His desire is to express himself to you and through you. This is beautiful. You have to understand how much he loves you. You say, why would he love me? Because he does. Because he does. There is nothing about you that makes him love you. He loves you. You're his creation. And when you come into that relationship of love, you become who you're supposed to be. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Who's the joy? You're the joy. What was the joy that made him go to the cross? What was the joy that made him despise the shame? You, just like you are, warts and all, right? It's it's what he did because he he saw the joy of having a relationship with you. He saw not only the joy because we've got to take it past individuality. He saw the joy of not just having a relationship with you, but having a relationship with you through his church. Insanely important that we as Christians in our modern era place a high value on the church. You cannot diminish the church, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot. You are called to be a part of a community. You say there's lots of bad churches. Yeah, but there's lots of good ones. So find one. And commit and connect to it. We have to understand that his will for us is not just individual, it's corporate. This matters to him. This brings him tremendous amount of joy when his sons and daughters gather. How good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. The Bible says oil flows when that happens amazing concept he wants to speak isn't he busy not at all not at all his desire is to give it to you is to bless you and to love you here's the question are you willing to listen hebrews 3 7 therefore just as the spirit says see spirit speaking just as he says today if you will hear my voice do not harden your heart as your fathers did in the rebellion of Mirabah. that's a uh, story from the book of numbers and, and the book of exodus on the day of testing in the wilderness What's this telling us? Today, what does that mean? His voice is present. His voice is right now. His voice isn't yesterday. His voice isn't tomorrow. It's right now. Today. Today. Present. We sing that song, The Great I Am. The whole root of that was when Moses, God told Moses who he was. He said, "Who's going to who am I going to say sent me? And he said, you're going to say I am sent you. Well, what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything to us. But if you look at what happened in the Hebrew, God put a verb tense into his word. He changed his name. We can't read it in the English because we don't read Hebrew. And Hebrew is all about verb tense, you know, which way the verb is leaning. And so God changed the verb tense of his name when he told Moses his name. He said, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your future, but right now. He used the word Hayah. He put the word Hayah into his name in that moment. And he said, Moses, I'm not the God of yesterday. I'm not the God of tomorrow. All those things are true. But what you're failing to understand, it is right now. I am your God right now. My kingdom is right. Yeah, come on. Come on. My kingdom is right now. Right now. And it's the same thing we talked about the stone with Lazarus last week, where God rose, or Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. He's talking to Martha. He said, Martha, your brother's going to rise. And she's like, I know, Lord, on the last day. Same thing, projecting his will and his power into the future. He said, Mo-, he said Martha, you don't get it. I am the resurrection and the life. I am right now. That power is now. Now. Yeah, we need it tomorrow. Yeah, I need need his power in my past. Yeah, I need his power in my future. But God help me. I need his power now. Right now. Next week doesn't help me when everything's blowing up around me today. You know what I mean? Anybody here? Got me? (laughs) See what I'm saying? But he's there. So today his voice is present. Then the issue here is if. If, what does that mean? We have to be willing to listen to him. We have to be willing and patient enough to begin to learn to listen to him. He said, if you won't harden your heart, this is, again, a big key. This is, again, we've got we to kind of confront some of our habits as cultural Christians at times. People will say, Christians will say, this is what we do. We go, well, hey, can you help me figure out what the will of the Lord is? And I have a habit, and I even practice this with myself, so I'm not just practicing us on other people. I practice with myself, and also I'll use myself just to make it easy on everybody. I'll ask myself, do I want to know the will of the Lord because I'm willing to obey it? Or do I want to know the will of the Lord so that I can make up my mind whether I'm going to obey it or not? Because that's really what we do, if we're honest. What's God's will? Well, if he tells you his will, are you willing, whatever it may be? Or are you just going to go, well, yeah. Well, that's a pretty good plan, Jesus, but I think I've got another one. That doesn't really line up with what I was thinking. You know, That's what it means to harden your heart. He spoke to you. You harden your heart against what he said. The problem with hardening your heart is it creates a dullness of hearing. The more you harden your heart, the more dull you become to hearing him. The more you soften your heart, the more open your ears are and your spirit is to hearing him. That's the problem with that. And so it's important that we not harden our heart. Willingness. Are you willing to take the time? Here's Psalm 16. I, David says this. I set the Lord before me continually. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So what does it mean to be able to hear the Lord? You know, we, we, what will happen is, is if you will practice this stuff, the voice of God will become more and more prominent in your life. David said, I set the Lord continually before me. In other words, I get out of bed and I set the Lord before me. I go to work, and I set the Lord before me. I go, whatever it is I'm doing, I set the Lord before me. And so it's like you know, and, and when he's before you, you can receive from him. That's the point. And what happens is, is in our modern world, the alarm clock's going to go off tomorrow morning, 6.30 a.m. Your feet are going to hit the floor. You're going to drop some toast in there. You're going to make some coffee. You're going to grab your keys. You're going to shave, whatever, grab whatever you've you got to bring, and you're out the door. And then the dominoes start falling. Tick, 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 tick. You know, the race is on. Now we got to get to work. Now we got to our projects. Now it's all this, now let's make it to lunch. Now let's make it to the end of the day. Now let's get home. Now let's pick up the groceries. Now let's go home. Let's make do some laundry. Okay, I'm finally tired. Let me put my feet up and go to sleep. That's pretty much it, right? That's our modern world. Well, what would happen if you put the Lord before you before your feet hit the floor? Jesus, just be with me today. I open myself to you. I told the first service about a guy I know, and he prays, and this was an amazing prayer, and I try to pray it as much as I can. In fact, I'm going to pray it while I say it. That's a rhyme. Somebody got to write that in a song. I'm going to pray it while I say it. But he says, Lord, I know you're doing amazing things in the world today. I ask you to allow me to be a part of them. Can you imagine what would happen if you honestly prayed that every morning? Can you imagine what would, how life would begin to transit? Lord, I know you're doing amazing things in the world today. I'm asking you to allow me to be a part of them. And that's your simple prayer and centering of your heart before you leave. What would happen? What would happen? How would things shift? Now you're opening yourself and you're giving the spirit permission to talk to you. What would happen? We set the Lord before us. And he's at my right hand. We will not be shaken. I'm not going to be moved. So we have to be willing to set the Lord before us. Oftentimes we set the project before us. Oftentimes we put the agenda before us. Oftentimes, whatever it is, we set something else before us, but we haven't set the Lord before us. It's a continual. This is what it means to pray without ceasing. You're just aware of the Lord. It's walking around in an environment where your radar is up and you're listening and hearing. And you know why? Because prayer is two, twice as much listening as it is hearing or speaking. You say, how do you know that? Because Jesus gave me two ears and one mouth. And so he's trying to tell me, Kevin, I want you to listen to me twice as much as you talk to me. And if you'll listen to me, you'll probably won't have to say the things and talk to me about the things that you're doing because you're listening to me. So he wants us to listen. He wants us to center in that place and to be listeners as well. So how does he speak? Next slide. So you've got to believe that he's speaking. You have to want to hear him. And then we have to understand how he speaks. He speaks through his word. He speaks through his word. The Holy Spirit has a language. He speaks Hebrew. He speaks Swahili. He speaks Creole. He speaks Puerto Rican. He speaks American. <laughs> I know those are not languages, I know. He speaks Cuban. There you, He's, there, there you go. There you go. And Cubans all know that their language is not just Spanish. It's particularly Cuban. It's Cuban Spanish. So they're, they're proud of that. So, And all the Cubans said, yeah. <laughs> so he speaks through his words. So the Holy Spirit has a language, and his language is his scripture. So what happens is as we begin to learn scripture, let's just say it. I do not have to understand the Bible in order to read it, there is nowhere where he tells you to understand it. He tell, You will grow in understanding. If you read Proverbs, it says, Add to, underst- it's telling you that understanding is added to you. To knowledge, add understanding. So while you're reading the Bible, you may be getting knowledge of the Bible, but now you have to have understanding added to it. But the Holy Spirit has his word, and he speaks through his word. Why is the word important? Because it's his language. And when it's through the word that we learn to discern what his word is and what his word isn't. We learn the paths and the trajectories that God is pushing us towards and whether they're in alignment with himself or not. Second Peter says we have the word of prophecy that is sure, is absolutely sure, and you do well to take heed. Just raise your right hand and say, I do well to take heed. That means, listen. So his light is shining in a dark place as a lamp shining in a dark place. That's kind of like a reference to his word being a lamp and a light. Until the day star rises in your heart. Knowing first that no prop- prophecy of Scripture is in any private interpretation. What does that mean? It means, first of all, some dude didn't just lay in his bedroom and bake up the Bible. He didn't just go, I think I want to write this down and do it. He said, first of all, it's not written by somebody that just made it up. And then the second thing means is that the Scripture is not applied to any personal person. It's a universal Scripture that's applied to all, ch- all Christians. So the Bible is applicable to us. As a universal and a universal concept. It doesn't mean, well, that verse is for you, that verse isn't really for me. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, I think that's your verse, that's not really my verse. That's kind of the attitude. You know what I'm talking about? You know, and we kind of deflect that type of stuff. So it's of no private interpretation. It's been given to us. The Word of God, Spirit of prophecy, came not by the will of man. It, but it came to go through God and God speaking through people and implying his will and being moved by those who are being moved by the Holy Spirit. So God speaks first and foremost because through his words. We've got to learn his language. Holy Spirit speaks that language, right? And So when we learn his language, he's able to speak to us more clearly. And what happens is, is you'll begin to hear words when you know his words. We'll be hearing impressions and directions. When you don't, and God elevates you from just an, an idea of impression and leading to a to a to a level of being able to speak directly to you when you know how He speaks and you understand His word. Just the thought. So read His Bible. You don't have to necessarily understand it. You will grow in your understanding. Second way He speaks is through His Spirit. He speaks through His Spirit. It says, "All who have ears to hear, see." Here again, we have to have a willingness. If you have ears to hear and you want to hear then listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Spirit is speaking. He's speaking to the church individually, and he's speaking to the church corporately and collectively. We have to have ears to hear. So I asked this in first service. There's no wrong, if you get, I'm not, if you have any doubt about what I'm asking you, just always say Jesus, and in Elevate, that is always the right answer. So whatever question I may ask you, if you say Jesus, that no matter what I'm asking you, that is the right answer, unless I'm saying something bad. So what did Solomon ask for? Anybody know what Solomon asked for? Wisdom. 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 Specifically a hearing ear. That's what it means. A wise and discerning ear. Why was he asking? He asked for a wise and discerning ear that he could hear the voice of God and be able to understand his voice from all of the other voices that he was hearing. Second thing he asked for, he didn't just ask for a hearing ear. It is interpreted wisdom, but if you root it out, it means he wants, I want to be able to hear what you're saying. That's what it's rooted in. The second thing he asked for is that he wouldn't be self-serving with it. He said, Lord, give me a hearing ear that I would serve your people. Is that not amazing? You want to open heavens? There you have it. Ask for God to speak to you, not for your own gain, not for your own purposes. Ask God, Lord, speak to me that I might serve you better. Speak to me that I might impart who you are to the world around me, that I might serve the people Lord, speak to me that I could serve my workplace better in your name, that I could serve my marriage better in your name, that I could serve my community better in your name. Speak to me. Heaven will open because you're right down the lane. And God said to Solomon, because you have not asked for yourself, you did not ask me for gold, nor did you ask me for long life. You know what he said? Super bonus time, Solomon. You get that too. You asked for wisdom, not for yourself, but to serve the people and to bring me glory. You ask for wisdom, not for yourself, but that other people might be able to benefit from what it is I've given you. And right down the lane, and he gave it to him. So the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and he will speak to us with a hearing ear, and he speaks to us in words of knowledge. Have you ever had a word of knowledge? I guarantee you, Christians have words of knowledge. They don't even know it's a word of knowledge. You just know something, and you shouldn't have known it. I don't know why I know this, but I just know it. I don't know why I know I think the dolphins are going to win. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would be a real world of knowledge. But, that, you, know, but you, know, you have a word of knowledge, you know something, and you don't know why you know it, you know it. There's words of knowledge, there's words of wisdom, okay? I tell my story, I'll just share it with you just so you can identify with something. It's like words of knowledge. I needed to g- increase and to grow in the business that I was in at the time, and the only way for me to increase and grow into this realm that I was young in was to get knowledge. I didn't have knowledge. I lot My knowledge was limited. So being the naive and hungry, and somebody just said, just do it, kind of Christian that I was, I was like, okay, Lord, knowledge comes from you. Give me the knowledge and the insight into this world that I might succeed. And he gave me knowledge and insight into a world that I knew nothing about. And within a very short amount of time, within the year, people come to me like, how do you know this? You're like 20 something years old, dude. How do you know this? I'm twice your age, you know, I've been doing this way longer than you, and you know what I know, and you're half my age. Well, that didn't come from me because I believed heaven would give me the knowledge. I believed the spirit of God would give me the knowledge. What would happen if doctors began to ask God for the knowledge? What would happen if artists and musicians and people of all fields would begin to ask God for the knowledge, not for selfish fame, but that the glory would be known in the land, that I would hear that people would benefit and know you? What would happen? You don't think God's got a solution? Course, he's got a solution. Who is privy to this knowledge? You and you alone. Only the believer has access into that gateway. The unbeliever cannot access the knowledge of heaven. You can. You have the mind of Christ. Ask him. Lord, give me knowledge, give me insight into what it is that you're doing here. Show me how to do this. Show me the way to go forward. And ask him for knowledge, words of knowledge, clear ways. It's words of wisdom. You ever talk to your friend? They come to you for advice. And you don't really know what to tell them, right? They come to you and like, oh, give me some advice here. And you're kind of like, and you're kind of like acting like you know, but you really don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, hey, yeah, okay. And all of a sudden you're there and you're kind of thinking about it. And maybe Jesus enters the picture somehow. And all of a sudden you got wisdom. And you're like, wow. And you start counseling these people. You're like, where in the world is this coming from? Yeah, It's called the word of wisdom. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Wisdom just comes out of you. And you're like, wow. Why can't I tell myself that? So you got a pen? Could you, did you record that? Could you, could, you, could you remind me what I just told you? It's a word of wisdom. what's a word of wisdom? We have to understand that it comes from the Holy Spirit, and the access and the power and the presence of that comes from the anointing. it's not you. You understand? It's the anointing. And so when you understand what happens, the big failure is is when people who operate in knowledge and wisdom is they take it unto themselves and they think they're irreplaceable, they think that they're the one that's making it all happen. So you know the anointing is transferable. We have the anointing, right? And so we have to understand that the anointing come, that, that anointing is there. You want to operate in wisdom, get in the anointing. Just go, you know, I, listen, I'll just give you a pastor's secret. A lot of guys aren't going to let you in on this, but I'm going to let you in on it, okay? Particularly the guys that want to actually speak to you something that comes from the Spirit. People come up to me, and I'm not discouraging that at all, but they come up to me and they, say, they tell me things, and I have no answer for what it is they're asking me. And so when you see Pastor Kevin standing there doing this, you know what I'm doing? I'm like, Holy Spirit, speak now, because I got nothing. Okay? But he always speaks. He always speaks. You know? And so what happens is, is when you're faced with something, even talking with people, just go into the Spirit and open your heart, get out of what you think should happen, and let the Lord begin to lead the situation. You'll see a big difference. You'll see a shift. Same thing, even words of knowledge. Give him knowledge. Give me knowledge. And just a word on the word of knowledge, I want to go back to that just for a second. When I was asking God to give me something, he didn't, it wasn't just an immediate download, okay? While he gave me an ability to see into things that I didn't understand, he also put me with strategic people. I was around very strategic people who were smarter than me, and I listened to them. And I would have coffee, and while everybody else was doing whatever it is on the break, I would go find the guy who was smarter than me, and I would sit down with them, and I would begin to ask them things about what it was that we're doing. And okay, so if we're gonna do this, how do I do that? The guy would be like, oh yeah, you just kind of this and you just kind of that. And so I began to learn, but that was all part of the process of me asking God for knowledge. He gave me an opportunity into, and, and allowed me to be around people that were smarter than me. I actually had to work after hours. I worked after hours with a guy who was doing something that I wanted to do. And he's like, look, if you wanna learn, you gotta come with me. Oh, but I gotta be home by five o'clock. I don't know if I can come with you. I don't know if that's gonna happen. I'd work till 7, 8 o'clock at night to work with a person so that I could get the knowledge that he had in order to go where it, but God opened it up. So it's not this just an immediate download. He'll give you insight and an ability to see, but also he uses people, places, and things. So be aware of that. So he gives words of knowledge, words of prophetic word. So here's what First Thessalonians says. Do not quench the spirit. What does that mean? You're not subdue, which means, okay, Holy Spirit, I know you're talking to me right now, but I don't really want to listen to you. See, that's subduing him. Do not be unresponsive to him. Do not ignore his guidance. Do not scorn or reject the gifts of prophecy. Spoken revelations, words of instruction, and exhortations or warnings. But test all things so that you can recognize what is good and hold firmly to that which is good. So it's telling us to honor it. Big thing. Okay? Yeah, come on. Let's say this. Honor opens doors. Dishonor closes doors. Honor opens doors. What you honor, you have access to. What you dishonor, you will never have. If you will honor the spirit and you will honor what he is doing, you will always have access to him. If you dishonor him, he will not have access to him. I tell people all the time, Jesus goes to raise the girl from the dead. There's a whole bunch of people around. And they laughed him to scorn. (laughs) Are you kidding me? You're going to raise her from the dead? You say she's sleeping? Come on. She's not sleeping. What did Jesus do? He put them all out of the room. You guys all just stand right over here. Okay, the three of you that believe I can actually do this, you come in the room with me. And they were forever shut out of the miracles. And they were forever shut out. If you do not honor the things that God says you can have, you will never, ever access them. Ever. He does not cast pearls before swine. He just doesn't. He waits for you to grow up and actually value what it is that he's presenting, and then he'll let you access it. But there are Christians that never value what he's offering. Ever. We have to honor We have to value. We have to humbly submit. And if you will, this is the good news, the kingdom is yours. Doesn't mean you know what you're doing. (laughs) Still doesn't mean you know what you're doing. It just means you have it now. You can access it. And then you start using what he's giving you. Start using your words of knowledge. Start using your words of wisdom. Start using them. And all of a sudden you start growing into them and you start maturing in them and they start happening to you in a more relevant way. Yeah. How else does he speak? He speaks through people and circumstances. And so I would say on this, last, on this one to be very cautious because he speaks primarily through his word and his spirit. But if he can't get his attention through his word and his spirit, then he goes through people and circumstances. And what I tend to use people and circumstances for is more of an affirmation than my main compass. So I don't need people to lead, you know, I don't like, hey, you know, uh, what do you think God is telling me? I'm like, well, what is he telling you? What's, what's in your heart? What, have you prayed? Have you read? Do you have a verse? What's he telling you? Well, I haven't prayed and read. Well, probably the first thing you should do is go home and read and pray a little bit and meditate on it and get some guidance from the Lord and I might be able to help you process that. You know? That's the first thing. But you, we can't be relying on other people to lead us. We have to get the word and the spirit and then we go to people and we, we try to we, we discern that way. Second Corinthians 2.12 said, When I came to Troy for the gospel's sake, a door was opened to me. So, next slide. So, what... He's showing us here is that there's open opportunity. And that's one of the ways that God leads you is through open opportunity. But open opportunity without a word and without his spirit guiding you, I, I, I would say back up a little bit. Godly counsel. That's the other thing. So the question is, is how do I know that it's the Lord? How do I know? What well, does it line up with the scripture? And is it consistent with doctrine? That's a key. Okay. That so people say, hey, I had an angelic visitation. I'm like, great. What did, you, what, what did he tell you? He told me Jesus wasn't God well, that angelic visitation probably wasn't of the Lord. But in, angelic visitation is in the Bible. You understand? So that is a consistent theme, and that is a, there is a doctrine of angels. The Bible actually tells us that in Hebrews. There's a doctrine of angels. So there is angelic visitation, and there's also, a, you know, I had a vision. I had an open vision. Visions are in the Bible. Peter had a vision. He had a vision. Up, down, up, down, vision. Paul had a vision. Man standing in Macedonia going, come over to me, come over to me. That's a vision. I had a vision. Well, what did the vision tell you? vision told me that Jesus wants to reach the world, and he's calling me to become a part of that. Well, that vision's of the Lord. We know that's of the Lord. You understand how this works? You guys seen how it works? That's why the word is important, because it guides us down the lanes of the Lord. It guides us down down his paths. Without that, we become like Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith had an angelic visitation. Any form founded Mormonism out of an angelic visitation. Are you saying Joseph Smith didn't have an angelic visitation? I'm sure Joseph Smith actually did have an angelic visitation. But it wasn't an angel of the Lord. It was an angel that was a fallen angel because Joseph Smith probably didn't know the Bible. And so the angel comes and says, hey, I got some. Muhammad did the same thing. He had an angelic visitation. But it wasn't an angel of the Lord. Mary had an angelic visitation. So you know. Okay. Peter was, when he was in jail, had an angelic visitation. Paul, when he was about ready to have a shipwreck, had an angelic visitation. The angel of the Lord stood by me tonight and said, nothing's going to happen. Peter's in jail and he's sleeping, chained to the wall. angel's got to kick him to get him up. Peter, get up, man. Get up. Dude, I opened the door. Get up. Get up. Peter's like, what's going on? Stumbles out of the jail. It's in the Bible. It's just, is it of the Lord or is it not? Vision is of the Lord. Is it of the Lord or is it not? This is where we have to discern these things. These are, again, gifts to the church. They are gifts. Gifts. What, do you think God's just up there? He doesn't have any control over this? You know, and it's just like all like kind of random? No, these are gifts. But we, what we have to do is we have to learn to discern what it is that God is bringing into our lives. And part of the big thing, this is why the Bible is so critical, is so critical to understand these things because it directs us like a compass into what is his will and what is, his not, what is not. What is the voice of the Lord and what is not. Very important. Say, we'll all have an angelic visitation? Probably not. But you may. We'll all have vision? Probably not. But you may. You can have vision. You know, we, what you want is tends to be what happens. What you're open to tends to be what happens. God will meet you where you are. Most Christians, the way they operate in the spirit, and they don't even know it, is through words of knowledge and words of wisdom. And then they just think they're really smart. Well, you're not really smart. It's the Holy Spirit. So you should acknowledge the Holy Spirit. That's what the Lord is showing you. That's the beauty of it all. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Jesus died to give you the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. He died so that you could have him. He said, he's more valuable than me. What? Oh, Jesus, you're the center of everything. Jesus said, he's more valuable than me. All blasphemy against the Father will be forgiven. All blasphemy against the Son will be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, help me. Where's Jesus describing the value? To the Spirit of God. So that we need, as believers... To begin to understand what the partnership with the Ruach Ho Kadesh actually means. We need to understand what that means to us. Because in him lies our destiny. In him lies our power. In him lies our future. All things. I said at first service. Peace, love, and joy. Romans, where? In the Holy Spirit. So where's peace? In the Holy Spirit. Where's love? In the Holy Spirit. Where's joy? In the Holy Spirit. So, what does that mean? It means if you want to access love, you have to step into the Holy Spirit. If you want to access joy, you have to step into the Holy Spirit. If you want to access peace, peace, love, and joy. They say that joy, love, peace, whatever. Any any of those three, you have to step into the Holy Spirit. So, what does that look like? You're not always in the Spirit. Hmm? There's a difference. Let's just say it together because it's healthy. There's a difference between having the Holy Spirit and being in the Holy Spirit. Can we agree? Every believer has him, but not every believer walks in him. You understand what I'm talking about? And we don't always walk in him. And I always think of a guy who told me, I always walk in the Spirit. I'm always, I always serve the Lord out of the Spirit. I'm like, should we bring your wife in? Can she tell me the same thing? You know? What if I brought your kids in? Are they going to tell me, oh man, my dad is always in the Spirit, man. The glory is in the room. He's not. Your boss, same thing. So what's the deal? We have to learn that who we really are is in the spirit. You want to know who you are, Christian? Who you are is in the spirit. So when you get into the Holy Spirit, and it's like, whoa, peace, love, and joy is like rocking, and you just see all things, and you're riding it. That's who you really are. That's the real person. This is what it means to be a new creation in Christ. We quote these things as if it's poetry. Oh, all things have become new. I'm a new creation in Christ. Blah blah. blah. What the heck does that mean? Can somebody answer that? Because we quote it like it's just like some, some prose, you know? And the issue is, what it means is, is that in Christ, this is who I'm called to be. In Christ, in the Spirit, this is who I really am. I'm not who I am on Monday morning. That's not my identity of, of heaven. That's not who you're going to be internally. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that's not the person you're going to be eternally? This is the person you're going to be eternally. That one that flows in love. That one that flows in peace. That one that flows in joy. That one that flows in purpose and power. When you're in the spirit, that is who you will be forever. That is the eternal life that begins now. And what we do is we stand between two worlds. You say, how do you know this? Because I've lived it. I've lived it. Born into the kingdom. Born in power. You know, a bunch of nonsense goes on. I don't want anything to do with it. Go my way. Go my way. Put the Holy Spirit over here. You stay here, Holy Spirit. I'll, call, I'll tell you when I need you. Aren't, don't we do that? You know, you make me a little uncomfortable. And it, he wasn't making me uncomfortable. The way people were applying him was what was making me uncomfortable. Holy Spirit doesn't make anybody uncomfortable. People make people uncomfortable. Holy Spirit's called the comforter. You understand? But the way we apply him is what makes him uncomfortable. The way we demonstrate him is what makes people uncomfortable. Just saying. And so I had to learn, and I would struggle all the time. And the Lord would tell me, Kevin, you're between two worlds. You're between two worlds. This world is available to you anytime you want it. But you're not going there. And so I had to learn what that meant and what it means. It looks like getting myself in the Spirit. And the same goes for you. Be who you really are. Live as who you really are. That's how heaven sees you. Don't you like yourself when you're in the Spirit? Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're in the Spirit, don't you like you? you're like, wow, I am flipping amazing. I am loved by God. I love everybody. I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof and nobody can hurt me. I'm amazing. I think I can do anything. You know what, I think I can run through that wall right there. I think I can. Because you're in the spirit. All things are possible. There again, in the spirit. That's why Paul says in Romans, I drag around a body of death. The things that I want to do, I don't do things I don't want to do, I do. What's he talking about? He's talking about being out of the spirit and in the spirit. He goes, who's going to deliver me from this person I don't like being? How do I stop living as the person I don't like? And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ because it's in Christ, in the spirit, that you are the person that you don't like. You become away from the person that you don't like. Do you like yourself when you're not in the spirit? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I don't like it though because I get annoyed at the parking lot. I don't like that, I don't like that about me, I don't know about you, I don't like that. I get annoyed at things, and then I get annoyed at things, and then I get annoyed at myself. That's me outside the spirit. In the spirit, I'm like, oh yeah, you can have that parking space, absolutely, go right ahead, absolutely. I know I'm late, I know I'm late, I know my wife is going to kill me if I'm not home in a half an hour with the eggs, that's okay, you can have that parking spot. (laughs) That's the spirit. Out of the spirit, you're like, wait a second lady, I was here first, get out of my way. Come on. That may not be your story, but your story's somewhere in there. (laughs) That may not be who you are, but you're there somewhere in there. Come on, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So, how do you know it's the Lord? Does it line up with Scripture? Is it consistent? Does it glorify Jesus and make me more like him? Is what this is what the Lord is saying to me? Is it calling me unto myself, unto my true identity? Is it calling me more like Christ? Would elders or wise people that know the Bible and stuff, would they confirm it if you brought it to them and said, look, this is what I believe the Lord is showing me? Would they confirm that? And here's another one. Is it consistent with your calling, which begs the question, do you know your calling? Do you know your calling? People go, I don't know my calling, Kevin. Let me give you one to start with, son and daughter. Can we start there? Let's start with son and daughter. You're called to be a son and a daughter. Let's start with the question, what does it mean for me to be a son and daughter? In his house. With brothers and sisters, okay. Let's just make it even clearer. In his house, with brothers and sisters, what does that mean? What is my calling? My calling is to be a son and a daughter before my father. My son is my calling is to be a son and a daughter and to become more like Christ. I know I'm long, but you're getting some bonus material here this morning. I I, uh, I hope it's 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 benefiting you. So, and I'm not boring you. But. Does it bring honor? Is what the Lord is telling me to do? Is it honoring? Is it honoring first and foremost to him? Is it honoring first and foremost to the people around me? And is it honoring to myself? Is it honoring? We're a life-giving culture. That's who we are. We give life. It should be the most encouraging place in all the world. should be the church. most encouraging place in all the world should be when believers get together. It should be life. It should be joy. It should be like, wow, you can do it. Encouragement. All that stuff should happen. And number six, this is how you hear if it's the Lord. Is there peace? Do I have peace? Is there peace in my soul? Is there peace in my heart? Not my mind. Is there peace in my spirit? Is what the Lord is telling me going to disrupt in a harmful way? Or would, what the Lord is telling me to do, going to bring health and life? If God is telling you to do something that's disruptive and breaking, it's not the Lord. It's you. Or it's somebody else. But I can assure you, it's not Jesus. Jesus unifies. Jesus unifies. And even when he disrupts, he does it in a healthy way. He shifts in a healthy way. It's just how he is, and it's how we're supposed to be. So we're supposed to be honoring. Supposed to be life calling. We're to all of these things. Is it consistent with my calling? Does this make sense to any of you guys? You guys understanding this at all? Okay. And then last, so here's just the summary. So how do we hear the Lord? I'd say first of all, I, I would put one above this. I would say be willing. You got to be willing. You got to want to hear him. You got to want to hear him. Number two, you got to read your Bible. So begin to read your Bible. Consistently say, I don't know what it's saying. I don't care. I, I just—I had a guy. I tell you again my story. Guy told me when I was a first Christian, he told me three things to do, and I did them all. And I told myself I'm going to do these things unless it, 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 even if it kills me. And so I put two more on top of it. And we we circle this around our discipleship: read your Bible, pray, commit and connect to church, financially give and live on mission. And as a Christian, you should do those things even if they kills you even if it means your death, because it probably will be the death of your will and the death of your flesh and all that other stuff. But those are the things that transform us. Read your Bible. I didn't know what I was reading. I'm reading Genesis, and I'm like, whoa, some crazy stuff in here, you know? And I'm reading Exodus, and I'm like, whoa, this is even crazier. Then I'm reading Numbers, and I'm like, I don't even have any idea what this is all about. And I start reading all this stuff. But God will show you in time, but just get it in you. Get that voice in you. Get into his presence. Learning how to get into his presence, Christian. You have to learn how to get into his presence and if you don't know how to get into his presence it's okay because you can go home and you can practice and you can close the bedroom door and you can practice worshiping if you've never lifted your hands in church here's a good way to do it just put some worship music on you know and uh, go in your room lock the door and practice raising your hands you can do that you can do the low you can do the mid you can kind of do this and then you can do this you know you can learn practice practice getting into his presence practice Practice. You don't need to have to do it in an audience. You can practice. Somebody said what we cry out for in private is what we receive in public. And so we cry out for his presence in private, and we start to learn what it means to center and hear his, hear his voice. Sit so down with a paper, and here's some of the things that God's telling you. You know, just try to, you know, just, I mean, experiment. Experiment. No one's expecting you to understand it right out of the gate. You have to practice. You have to try. And then listen to godly counsel. How we hear the Lord, you know. Hey, God's giving me a job, and I'm really excited. Oh yeah, who are you working for? The mob? I don't think that's the Lord, you know. So God's not going to have you work for the mafia. You know what I'm saying so. Just because you think it's God and you're not sure, you should actually bring it forward and ask somebody to speak about it. So Jesus speaks by and through His Spirit and in His Spirit. All right. So if you're here this morning, that's it. That's all I got right there. Boom, boom. All right. So these are your takeaways. I'm going to give you some homework. Read your Bible this week. Read your Bible. You never read your Bible, read John. You read John, read Psalms. You read Psalms, read Proverbs. You read Psalms and Proverbs, read Matthew. Read Mark. Read Luke. Read Acts. Keep going. Read it. And then secondly, I want some of you to practice getting into his presence. I want you to practice. Okay, Lord, you want me to be a worshiper of truth? I'm just going to put on some worship music. You close the door. I'm just going to go for this. Here we go. Whatever does it for you, but practice getting there. It's from his presence we live. Listen to godly counsel. That's not your homework, but your homework is to read your Bible and practice getting in his presence. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, we want to give you an opportunity to come into this thing. We want to give you an opportunity to come into this relationship and come into this family. You say, how do I do that, Kevin? You simply open your heart and ask Jesus to come. I say, I don't know how. Well, we're going to lead you. I'm going to lead you, and this church is going to pray with you. You're going to have an opportunity to receive Jesus this morning by praying with us and just simply opening up your heart. So we're going to pray this prayer of invitation. I'm going to speak a prayer of blessing over you. We have a prayer team available over here that will pray with you if you need any further prayer, but this is an important one, receiving Christ. And so if that's you here this morning, just open up your heart and receive and ask Jesus to come and he will do it. And so just pray with us. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior and I need a Savior. I may not understand this, but I choose to believe it. And so I open my heart to you, Jesus, and I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. And I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. In all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you in Jesus' name.